Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, I'm sorry, executive producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. My man, what is up? Don't don't screw that up, man, okay? Yeah, I, something I've learned uh, is you don't want to mess up people's titles. You want to make sure that you get everybody's titles right. Mm-hmm. Cameron, a lot of people don't know how much of a tyrant you are because you edit a lot of that stuff out. <laughs> but multiple times, I've referred to him as just the producer and call-ended, show-ended. I mean, yeah. most of the time where we miss like our deadlines, like last week, <laughs> it's because Cameron, I accidentally assigned the wrong title to him, mm-hmm. and he incidentally walks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, Diva. That's what I am, okay? <laughs> Like and you need all the blue M and M's, right? All, <laughs> yes, all that. Yeah, I have my writers. <laughs> um, dude, we have uh, we'll, we'll say a smidge of magic news. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that the uh, the thing that we complained about last week with the regards to the Joanne's gift card, they've added some actual cash prizes to that. So I think Aww. Wizards heard our outcry. So you know, I don't know that anything will actually make that joke go away. No. Never. <laughs> um, but I, do wanna ju- I did want to just mention that in our kind of correction section, which I've just decided to debut right now for the first time in 400-some-odd episodes. <laughs> so anyway, Cameron, you've been playing some Magic the Gathering. What have you been up to? I'm seeing some shocking things on this list here, so I want yeah. you to explain. Yeah, so um, first and foremost, I've been playing some Pioneer. Um, I've been wanting to build this black-red mid-range deck because i have almost all the elements uh but like regret of the i guess we'll say the fall quarter is not pre-ordering uh shieldreds when i should have when i was like hey that seems like a pretty decent card and 10 bucks doesn't seem too bad and now they're like you know a place that's like 200 dollars uh so mm-hmm. and i don't know like you know, a few years ago, I may have, like, tried to trade into that. I wouldn't bat an eye about maybe getting that if I was serious about playing this deck. But because, like, my Pioneer playing is, like, sometimes, like, once a month, and I don't know. Like, I just can't justify spending the money on that, uh, which is a little bit of... Unless, like, I had a real tournament or something, you know. Yeah, for sure. For coming sure. up. So, anyway, still sticking with the blue-white control list. There's not a lot interesting to say um, I ended up going two two, and um, it was it was a, it was a decent evening. Um, but in between, uh, I was watching some guys play Canadian Highlander, um, and I've heard of the format, but like actually seeing it in play for the first time, I got really really into it, like super intrigued by it, and I actually got to play. Um, like somebody's blue white list that um, that they had, and they let me just play, you know, kind of casually and check it out. And um, it wetted a whistle that I haven't had for a long time. Like I, I haven't been this excited about like deck building or like trying to figure out what I'm going to play um, since like early days of Legacy, and it's really exciting. So. I'm sure all the listeners know what Canadian Highlander is, but um, it's a singleton. Explain format. it because I think I I think I know, but I don't know. So okay, yeah, hit so, me with the details. It, it's a singleton format, and um, it uses the vintage band list, 
And it's pretty much you put a one of of, you know, a hundred cards into a deck. So the interesting thing about it being a singleton deck with a hundred cards is that combos are really, really hard to achieve. And Mm -hmm. so like it's a little bit more interactive and fair magic that you see happening with like some incredibly powerful cards. The other interesting thing is is that there are certain cards that they've deemed too powerful, but you can still play them, but you only get 10 points, and all these cards are like assigned a point value, and you can't go over the 10-point limit. So if you have something like Demonic Tutor, tutor uh, a Soul Ring, and some Moxin in your deck, because you can play all of those as a singleton, that actually puts you over the edge, uh, over the 10-point amount that you have so you you can't do that right so you have to kind of make a choice as far as like what are the powerful cards i'm going to be putting into this what also makes that awesome is that i don't need to be playing a mox emerald in my my 100 card pile right which is Mm -hmm. um really kind of interesting and like not all the cards are in there so like i mean like death right shaman jace bolt counterspell like all of these are just zero point cards um, and then there's just like certain ones that have, that have the point values associated with them. Um, so the other amazing thing is this, like all these cards that I haven't played in so long because they're banned in legacy, I'm able to play dig through time, death, right? Shaman, you know, like on and on and on with all these like, really, yeah, yeah. All these awesome, really cool cards. And so uh, there's a tournament coming up here in November here in Des Moines that I'm going to check out. And I'm looking at like these deck lists and because it's a singleton and because I'm a legacy player, I have everything. So I can build like a lot of these different decks minus the Moxon. Um, and I, I, like I said, I just have not been this excited about checking out a format in a long time. So the one I showed you was a Grixis list running like a Raghavan, Deathrite Shaman, Snapcaster, Leovold. Um, you know, it, it's just like like the best of the best of some of these cards. And um, yeah, man, I, I just got a taste of it. And it was super intriguing and um, just novel, like different, you know, which, um, you know, honestly, just playing Legacy, it just sometimes still feels a little rote. So like checking out some of these lists and whatnot, um, and just not having to deal with like maybe so many combos in the format. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. So I want to make sure I'm. Cameron, here's a problem. Yeah. I'm looking at this point list and I am also intrigued. Cause like I'm looking here and Yagmas Will is on this list and I'm like, hmm. That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, this is a one on one. Because you're saying Highlander, and so my brain connects that to Commander, but really, outside of it being a 100-card singleton format, there is no connection. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. In fact, I mean, there's no multiplayer, right? It, it is a one-on-one sort of thing. You know how to speak in ways uh-huh. that I like. Yeah. I, um, I think this is super cool. Keep me up on this. But like something like being able to play Mana Drain yeah. um, is yeah. just not a, a thing that really happens outside of Cube. And uh, it's a ton of fun. I'm kind of like curious why. Maybe I'm not looking at an op- updated list, but like Oko is it on this list? So mm-hmm. there's some interesting ones, right? But hey, I haven't actually played it. That's me shooting from the hip. So uh, is, interesting. is Oko banned in Vintage? I can't remember. Or 
Now not I can't banned remember. Vintage. Okay, banned yeah. in Legacy. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's that's cool. And again, I have some other questions here. Uh huh. I would really like a format to say we are vintage or legacy, but it must be in a standard legal. Must have been in a standard legal set. That would be. That's the yeah. format I want. I don't want any. And somebody, well, what about true name nemesis? I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like I kill all the true name nemesis <laughs> nemesi out there. Yeah. Give me that format. I want all the standard legal sets. Name that format. Put it on arena. Pretty please with sugar on top. Already, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Dockside Extortionist or any of these other cards that I should be getting that are just completely over the top, silly and dumb. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I um, I got to be honest with you, dude. I look, I clicked on the wrong link. I clicked on the chat, and then I, I ended up looking at the watch that you sent me to look at. Oh, so there's that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but please give me the feedback on how that community is because I think that sounds super interesting. Um. Another question is: Are gold bordered cards legal? Like the old? Ah, uh, uh, I think it. I think it's unless there's like some sort of proxy sort of thing. I think you have to use what's legal for vintage. What's legal? Yeah. Nice, nice. So, wow, what what a turn! What a turn, Cameron. Yeah. I hope it works out for you. I don't know if you caught this, but there was a kind of a long conversation on Twitter uh, amongst you know very well known Magic players of. Has Commander ruined the game of Magic the Gathering? And I think the answer to that is no. I think it's been harmful that Watsi has decided to pursue that as their primary avenue mm-hmm. for marketing and those kinds of games. And there's a lot of problematic elements to that. But I think a lot of times we are just constantly pulled into this competitive versus casual or competitive versus tabletop discussion. And no matter how much I just... I'm very honest with people that Commander isn't a me thing. Mm-hmm. I'm never trying to take that away from someone else. No. Right? And I think sometimes it's like passing uh, passing uh, blame or the buck or however you want me to say it and saying, oh, these casual players, because that's become the emphasis, that's why they've done such a bad job with competitive magic. Maybe it's just they've done a bad job with competitive magic because they've done a bad job with competitive magic. And it can exist outside of this Commander stuff. You know? Just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um well, dude, look, I, I've been playing a lot of standard. I keep waiting for Dominaria United to become the cheap draft, where <laughs> instead of 10,000 gold, it's 4,000 gold. When does that happen anymore? Because didn't that used to happen like two weeks after the set? Yeah, maybe. Maybe uh, they're like, you know, we could just milk another 6,000 coins out of somebody. Or yeah, gems, I, I, yeah. I, one of the things that I'm really going to crush Watsi for is the actual communication of this stuff is just really bad. And so, like, I don't want to keep drafting Dominaria United at such a high price, but I titled my little thing of, like, how I learned to stop worrying and love the Grixis when it comes to the standard. <laughs> Cameron, I had a moment. I, I saw that a Jeskai list one time, once somewhere on one day, went 5-0 and in a standard league. So I put it together. Mm. And it was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable. Right? 
And I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I keep saying, and I keep saying on my show, that Grixis is the best deck. Based upon me playing against it, I have the deck. I played it a little bit. I really feel that. And then I plugged it in, and I mean, I ripped off like seven wins in a row. Like, yeah. that deck is bonkers. And I, I, granted, I got to fall real far in, the, in the, <laughs> their ladder rankings because I was trying to make all these other decks work. But once I just kind of gave in and said, okay, I'm just going to play these decks, it became so astonishing to me how much I could just fight through cards that on their face would be bad for Grixis. Like, you know, Enchantments, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Wedding Announcement. Uh, I can't remember the saga that's like five mana that's like a discard reanimation thing. None of these things seem to matter because I am just amassing cards all the time. All the time. I'm get, Everything is a two for one. It never stops. There are times where I'll be like at eight, my opponent will be like at 30, and I'm like, let's go Tenacious Underdog one more time. Let's yeah. just bury you Yeah. with all of these cards, right? And I, I just, that's where I live right now. Um, and maybe my opinion is, quote, turned around. Not really. I still think it's a highly problematic standard based upon one color. It's, we're used to pointing towards one card, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like last week we were talking about Invoke Despair, but a lot of the metagame has shifted away from that. But it's still, you're playing Tenacious Underdog. You're playing Graveyard Trespasser. You're playing Liliana. Like all these cards are just so good that they support playing even in a weird way cards that normally on their face aren't that great. Like Reckon or Bankbuster, I think in a mm-hmm. lot of standards that card would be pretty much unplayable but because you are just willing to you know basically commit to the grind mm-hmm. of the way that these black decks play that being able to invest eight mana to draw three cards is worth it to you it's kind of wild because it can also kill a liliana and all these other things right so i keep telling myself that i'm going to go back to explore but here's my problem i don't know what's going to be interesting about explore when i get there is it just mm-hmm. going to be more now that we have Thoughtseize with Liliana? Am I just going to be living that life too? It's just going to be yeah. the same thing only with Thoughtseize? Yeah. I mean, and to a point, like, I mean, what what is like the best deck right now is kind of what is the best deck in standard, which is always to me a little problematic when you're running a Blood Tithe har- Harvester, Shieldreds, and a me hook massacre because like it's the th- and that's the thing you need to be doing right and liliana's so um i don't know some of those play patterns are starting to feel very similar between what you're seeing in standard and what you're seeing in in explore which is uh, feel bad yeah and then like you end up playing these like cart like destroy evil which is destroy target enchantment or destroy target creature for greater but it's one of the few instant speed ways to kill shieldred mm-hmm. so like it is seeing way more play than that card would normally see there are also a lot of enchantments don't get me yeah. wrong yeah but there i mean i'm sure you've been in this boat too where it's like i have that card in my hand and i'm actively not going to shoot their meat hook massacre because i need to hold it in case they play a shieldred and i can just hope that i survive through all the meat hook massacre triggers that will come at me over the next six turns mm-hmm. right so there is, we should point this out because, like, I did think about texting you and saying, hey, maybe we should hold off. So, in two days, there's supposedly a big series of announcements. And in that talk, they said, we are going to discuss the future of alchemy, historic, and explore. 
So tripling down on alchemy. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty concerned about that. Uh, not going to lie. Um, and I got to be honest with you. So the alchemy version of Dominaria United is coming out like this week or next week. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really worried that I'm going to accidentally end up in a draft queue with those cards. Because mm. I can't find a real specific... Are they going to do a thing in Dominaria United where they add alchemy cards post this update? Because they did that with Baldur's Gate. They did an update on it. Or is it going to be just traditional? I'm sure someone out there has seen it. But it's like me just doing some cursory Googling for 15 minutes, which is pretty much more than I Google anything. Mm -hmm. Like, And it still was hard to find the actual hard details on this. While we're on this alchemy train, let's just talk about this. So they did in the last week's thing, they debuted a card um, called, okay, just want to get this off my chest, all the complaining all at once. The alchemy cards, not only do the designs upset me, but sometimes the names are just terrible. <laughs> Oracle of the Alpha is this weird meta-contextual, and not in a good way, bad card name from my perspective. I really don't like anything about this. Um, it feels like, so when I first saw this, I thought it was a fan render or like one of those fake, you know, things that somebody whipped up on Reddit, but this is going to be in the Alchemy Dominaria United thing. Okay. (coughs) It is two and a blue for a flying two, three. When it enters the battlefield, conjure the power nine into your library, then shuffle. When Oracle of the Alpha attacks, scry one. So conjure just means add cards that weren't previously into your deck into your deck, right? Um, and so you're going to get the power nine essentially shuffled in, right? Um, alarmingly, I, and Cameron, I'm going to tell you this as someone that spent too long Googling this, don't Google this because there are people out there who are literally coming with the thing. The power nine aren't actually that good. An unthinkable opinion. Just like brainstorm, man. Just like brainstorm. Just like brainstorm. Just like Brainstorm, not that good. You got to put two back. I mean, pff, garbage. <laughs> and and again, yes, there are scenarios where, in fact, drawing a Mox Pearl might not be the best. But there are other scenarios, Cameron, where they're very good. <laughs> I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever been time walked or ancestral recalled or time twisted or black lotus or Mox any of these. Yeah, it's not great when it happens to you. It feels pretty good when you do it to someone else yeah yeah okay such as being a spike live by the sword die by the sword etc etc um we had speculated that they were probably going to go pretty hard into this kind of thing for alchemy to try Mm -hmm. and get people roped in however this application I'm I'm, not, I'm trying not to be negative but it just irritates me more than anything else i mean where are you at on this yeah man? Th- this is like a it feels like a sign of desperation. Like this is the Hail Mary pass. And I mean, it's like, look, guys, you got it. We have to do alchemy. Like, you know, somebody, my boss's kid really wanted these cards in in this. And that's why we're doing this. You know, it just feels so like whatever. Um, cool. We're going to get the power nine in there. Um I mean, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to rewrite some of these cards when they're too powerful? You know, like, are they going to just say, you know, 
time walk is now going to be this. Cameron, I will remind you that they mm. said in a very nebulous fashion when they were talking about rewriting alchemy cards that if a card is, quote, iconic, they will not consider rewriting it because it would be too iconic. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll also recall <laughs> the Teferi Time Raveler got rewritten a few subsequent, subsequent weeks after that. I ask you, of that era of standard, of that set, which is escaping me now, but it was the Planeswalker set. Mm -hmm. War of the Spark. War of the Spark. What was the iconic card in that set? Well, if if we were to put a gun to your head and say, what is the most iconic card? (laughs) Like, yeah. But again, only a six on the iconic scale. Yeah, and you got to be yeah. a seven or above on the iconic scale you by some. Clearly, aren't following the flowchart that they have developed to show what is truly iconic on their mystery crap rubric that they've somehow generated. Who knows? Like all this stuff. <sighs> yeah, and and just to like randomly shuffle in Power Nine, just reeks of. Isn't it cool that we're being like Hearthstone guys? And no one needs that. However, here's the good news, Cameron. We might have Power 9 in a Vintage Cube on Arena. So, hey, there's the bonus. (laughs) There it is. Um, The problem is, is they will be the alchemy versions. It it will be, yeah. I'm so poisoned on this whole thing. Like, it upsets me to see Time Walk with an alchemy expansion symbol. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. get that out of here, right? So... My my only hope is like like I said, I feel like this is almost like an act of desperation because the community has not come around on alchemy at least from anything that i can see um the numbers that they showed whatever that was a couple months ago i mean it was not good um i don't hear anybody like in the shop on twitter or anywhere actually really excited about alchemy talking about alchemy i hear a lot of complaints so i feel like this is just one more thing if everybody just ignores it and continues to ignore it um, maybe it'll finally go away in 2023. So, and I've also heard people that are YouTubers and streamers say, alchemy content, they don't post because no one follows. Hmm. Good luck trying to find some alchemy strategy content out there. And just the, just the bar, the QA bar, is clearly just not there, right? Like, everything about it feels just, Poorly done. All right. So enough shoveling on that grave. I just wanted to point this out. We're not going to really go over any cards per se, but Brothers War card images started to go live. So we're going to start seeing those. Again, this is the Mishra Urza thing. There's some uh, sweet cards here. There's also, I hope you're feeling mechy. Like if you scroll down to those basic lands, we got some mechs coming mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. And Meld, the mechanic that. I had entirely forgotten about, but I believe was in Eldritch Moon. But yeah, so Urza, Urza, you got to have the the old two cards and a bazillion D mana, and then Alakazam, you can turn them around. Which, again, we've we've gone so far down the rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure these are the standard legal cards, but now every set has a commander set that comes with it. So, Cameron, I'm just telling you, these could be commander cards. 
I don't think they are, but mm-hmm. I would have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, how are we feeling about the mech stuff? How are we feeling about Meld coming back? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you m- mentioned this a few weeks ago, and then you texted me a photo. Um, there's definitely some opportunity for a control list that's more in this artifact mech side of things. And, um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm excited for that, mainly because, man, dude, like, I'm just, the standard, like, I we need something different other than just, like, super powerful black cards. Um, and so I'm hopeful, like, this will actually maybe solve some of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is kind of cool. Uh, the meld thing, it never... I, I never tried to bi- build a meld deck. I mean, it's kind of a fun mechanic, but um, I, I think it's more of a, hey, look at me, rather than this is going to be a, a really good tournament card. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that if you come across both cards in limited... You'll feel obligated. <laughs> y- yeah, yeah. Uh, like the rest of your deck could not support blue and white, but you're like, "Yo, man, for the love of the game, got to yeah, do right, it." Yeah. Um, but I, I, like you said, I'm open to it, and I'm hoping that by having some colorless stuff, that kind of pairs down what's going on in these other ways. But I'm, I also think there's a scenario in which we're either monocolor or, you know colorless that it becomes a little bit you know uniform too so mm-hmm. hopefully we get a bunch of really nice additions um to the set so anyway cameron let's get out of the segment come back talk about what else we've been up to so cameron can i reveal to you a big tragedy mm-hmm. i still have not watched any more Andor. And I've heard it's just out of this world fantastic. I'm continuing with, I'm like two episodes, I think, behind on Lord of the Rings. And um, visual treat, some good performances. The problem is, is House of the Dragon is just so much better written of a Mm. show. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, are you caught up on House of the Dragon? Yeah, yeah. So we just finished the last episode where they jumped ahead. Um, and how, yeah. how did that land on you as someone? Cause I think that has been a big breaking point. Some people really were upset with it. Mm-hmm. I talked with one of my coworkers and she was surprised. Like it took her a while to realize that these were the, in fact, the same people. Sure. Yeah. So um, how did it land on you guys? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's slightly bummed because I really, really, really liked the actress who was, uh, I, I can't remember. Renara. Um, the the young Renara, I really liked her portrayal of that character and kind of what she brought to it, and she was great, you know. And I mean, I get it. You jump ahead ten years, you have like these are the young kids, and now we're gonna have some, you know, like the thirty somethings. Um, it, it doesn't like, it's like kind of whatever, you know. But I do say, I will say that I I, I kind of lament the loss of that actress and some of those things just because I really, really liked like what, like I said, what, what she brought to that character. Um, yeah. I I would say it also, you, they kind of had to yada, 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 some kind of important things. Mm-hmm. 
that felt a little, um, particularly, and the name is escaping me, but um, the younger Valerian daughter who marries Damon, mm-hmm. like super incredible character in the book and kind of just like shows up to get to die in this episode. <laughs> seriously yeah yeah and it's just like oh well cool um but i also think treating those early things like a prologue kind of give the characters a little bit more depth than they had in the book so allison i think is kind of the primary customer there because she is very she reads very much like a cersei character mm-hmm. in the book and you don't have any real context for why. Now, it should be said in the book, her and Rhaenyra aren't the same age. Okay. So they've kind of, that's a show conceit to make the, this conflict, I think, a little bit more interesting. Um, but Allison is, I believe, like 10 or 15 years older. Oh, and interesting. The, okay. Because she, uh, this is deep book stuff, but you know how she like meets with the king on a nightly basis while he's grieving or whatever and like reads to him? Well, she actually tried to do that with the previous king, <laughs> like in the books. Mm, okay. So this is like a repetitive behavior for her to try and get into a king's good graces to become the queen, etc. So anyway, I, I think they did some cool things on that front. Um, but I still can't get like the individual conversations that happen in these shows are just so strong and so well written. Mm-hmm. Like. Awesome. Right. Yeah, like, I just yeah. can't get past that. So. I, I will also say the thing that I, I, I love that they jumped ahead 10 years and we're just kind of in, in some ways, maybe it is a detriment to say we yada yada some of this stuff. But I, I like that they just did that jump because I think that was the original tent with intent with the original Song of Ice and Fire. Right. Like, I think he was supposed to take all the children and jump ahead 10 years or something like that to have them come into adulthood and. I like just experiencing this in in the show. It's like, man, I would have actually loved that if we had seen Sansa and Jon Snow and all these characters um, more developed. And you, I I don't know, like that could just add an extra layer as far as like what the books kind of represent as far as like political intrigue and coming yeah. into power. You know? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because that was like the original delay. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you're not going to get a Feast for Crows because I thought I was going to do a jump time jump, but I couldn't make it work logistically. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then now here we are. This is how we got into this mess, right? Yeah. Um, no, but the, the, the other thing that I like about the time jump is, I mean, maybe it's not a huge spoiler to say, like, I don't know if we're going to get another one, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got another one. Mm-hmm. Because the whole idea of this story is it is a multi, multi, multi-generational conflict. And kind of how that stuff carries through. And so I think that's going to be really fun. Love it. Um, love it. Love it. Also, I love that there are no... Like the thing that a lot of people are critical of that the show that there's no true good guys. I love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm just a sucker for this kind of thing. So I want to just mention just really quickly before we get out. Because I've been... I, I did jump back into cyberpunk. And I've totally forgotten everything about it. I've started all the way over. <laughs> And uh, the new console versions look really, really, really good. Clearly, they've done a lot to that game. Um, I don't know if it solved any of the underlying problems with the game. Like, mm. I have trouble feeling connected to it. Okay. Um, but Cameron, what do you know about Coheed and Cambria? 
Uh, I mean, I listened to him in college. <laughs> okay, so I this album came out in June, their newest album. Okay. It has easily been my favorite hard rock album in years. Hmm. And I, it's kind of con- caused me to go down this rabbit hole. So, again, worth pointing out. So, you know how some bands have a concept album that, like, Pink Floyd's The Wall or something like that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. um, the who had uh, Pinball Wizard Guy, yeah. that concept album. Uh, every Coheed and Cambria album is one story. Yeah. So the whole thing is one science fiction arc that he's also written multiple comic books about that have been successful. <laughs> That's awesome. And I haven't read the comics. I'm very concerned if I do and then they're good that I'm like like something like un- underhanded has happened like he found a genie, made a pact with Satan. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But for guys of a certain generation and of a certain taste if you were to make a deal with the devil when you were 13, Cameron, and he said, what is it that you want? You would not do the Tom Brady and say seven Super Bowls. You would not be Lewis Hamilton and say, be the ra- best racing driver in the world. You would say, I want to be a heavy metal god, and I want to write comic books. <laughs> it's true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um, but I haven't gotten to that. So anyway, the point is, with this album, it's kind of interesting so I shared it with my, like, I messaged my wife, hey, you know, pull this up on Apple Music, listen to it. It's just a really good hard rock album. You don't have to know anything about it. She has totally loved it. Hmm. And she she was just like, I, I said, I don't know how people keep calling this like a bunch of different styles of music. To me, this is just a straight up hard rock album. In the way hard rock used to exist mm-hmm. back when you probably listened to Coheed in Cambria. Yeah. She's like, no, no, no. It's way more pop punk to me. Which makes zero sense, but that's just how it's landed on her, you know? And I don't know, like, where your bar is for it. Like, it seems like progressive rock is just kind of this um, very vague identity that some bands get to live in that are, like, mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, but, no, I, I, I've I, really enjoyed it. And I know, like, critically it was very medium uh, with a lot of people saying it's, quote, stadium rock, which, again, I think is just a big byword for you know bands have gotten too popular so therefore okay. i do not like them anymore because mm-hmm. um, like zeppelin was stadium rock guys like <laughs> you know sure, like, yeah um but yeah if you are just feeling like listening to some really great guitar riffs this is a great album for you if you also want to yeah if you also are just into space gods ruling the galaxy maybe you'll also like this album too <laughs> It sounds like a win-win. <laughs> I knew I'd have to twist your arm. Like <laughs> the audience probably doesn't know a ton about your like guitar love, dude. But like, yeah. this is the thing you've kind of fallen deeply in love with again. Like you used to play guitar in high school, right? And high then, school and co- like in college, I played like in the jazz band and whatnot guitar. So like, yeah, played a lot, and then just kind of fell off and just would pick it up like once a week. But I don't know, like the past year, I really fell back heavy into it so yeah so here, here's a question i have for you as a guitarist um does any hard rock band exist that really plays guitar in the way that i think of it anymore because every time i just have it on like a hard rock station it's still this kind of weird post new metal 
crunchiness. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, like, this weird separation. Like, there's, like, that post-metal sort of thing, the new metal sort of thing, which it's whatever, you know? Um, but then there is, like, like I'm John Petrucci from Dream Theater, which, mm-hmm. but that's, like, much progressive more, like, prog rock, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, um, I don't know. There, there's some, like... Uh, there, there are some good, like, I think, like, hard rock bands that are, like, there that are very, very indie um, and kind of capture, like, some of those elements that I really, really like from the 90s. But nothing's, like, surface to the top that I would say is, like, mainstream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, anyway, dude, this this uh, album made me get the my hand formed the heavy metal sign maybe nice. more than once. Nice. Okay. <laughs> It's over the top. It's bombastic and bombastic. And uh, anyway, I recommend it if you get a second. So um, anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk about their favorite electric guitars to play, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We will check you guys next week.